All right, let's do this. Okay, so Jonah chapter 4. So Jonah was a prophet. I, however, am not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet, but I do work for a non-profit uh, as a missionary to Japan. So I want to tell you a little bit about my experience as a missionary in Japan, but it's not the kind that I'm going to put in my newsletter. And so if you repeat what I, what I say, I'm going to say that you lied. I didn't say this. I think this is being recorded. But um, and So as a missionary to Japan, as I'm reading about the missionary Jonah in this passage, I wish I could tell you that I, can, I cannot relate to Jonah. Um, but I can't say that. I wish I could tell you that even though I was a guest in the beautiful, wonderful country of Japan, um, I wish I didn't get judgy towards Japanese culture, but I did. When I was in Japan, I realized uh, one day that I, I think most of my Christian faith needs to be separated from what my preferences are, my culture. In other words, I started to wonder, am I, am I actually more American than I am a Christian? Um, so a lot of things that irritated me about being in Japan... Uh, wasn't there, they weren't issues of, of right and wrong, uh, but they were just ways that the culture is different than mine, and probably you think about things they're doing, and you think, wow, we could learn a lot from, from them. It makes, makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, over time, some things would get under my skin. For example, I, I am a, when it comes to tattoos, I am a blank canvas. I have no tattoos to show off to you. Uh, but... Um, if you go to a public bathhouse, there's signs everywhere. One of the big rules they have is that if you walk in with tattoos, since it is assumed that you are part of the Japanese mafia, you are not invited into that place. Um, so I could even begin to look down on the culture, even though I am taller than most people, and I hit my head in most door frames that were made for people that were under my height. Um, but kind of just raise the question, what, what really matters to me most here? Um, and I remember asking my Japanese teacher about all the rules that I was having to put myself under. Um, when I was living in Japan, I was being extremely inconvenienced and irritated by things like don't eat or drink while you're walking. Um, no talking on the phone on the trains. No putting on makeup for the women. I didn't have that problem. But, and after a long pause, I asked my Japanese teacher, and he's an older gentleman who told me, after thinking about it for a long time, he said, basically, don't do anything to draw attention to yourself. And, uh, and so try telling that to a guy like me, standing out like a sore thumb in Japan. And um, I remember whenever I, I, I got permission to tell this story, when I was talking to Lisa about this the other day, and she says... I remember a time that while shopping at a grocery store, she said, called this expression, mom shamed. You know, so you were, she was criticized by a complete stranger. I think the baby, our baby didn't have a coat on. And after this kind lady noticed, she asked Lisa, don't you think your baby's cold? But not one time, but about three times. And so I think in any culture, that would be somewhat irritating, right? Um, so... But the, tr- the reality is, on, on many occasions, we receive kindness from them that we, we did not deserve whatsoever. Um, and we were, we were treated, we have been treated really well by people there. But 
you know, even our daughter, we adopted a little girl from Japan this past year. And if you know her story, um, I won't get into it too much, but I will say that she came to us because the family, Japanese family who first adopted her, um, decided that they would actually return her to the adoption agency because they realized, some members of the family realized that she had mixed race background and they decided that that was not in their best interest as a family to keep a child that um, was not 100% Japanese. And, um, but we can look down on the same people who are in need of the saving grace that we woke up in need of today. And I know that for me, that when I lose sight of, of that, I tend to get very angry and I tend to judge all kinds of people that are different from me and it doesn't even have to be a different culture. It can be in my own home. I can tell you last night I had to ask forgiveness to my wife and my kids for making my wife's 40th birthday party a little bit difficult <laughs> because of my attitude. Um, so I stand up here as someone in need of this very grace that I'm proclaiming to you today. Um, and so perhaps that, uh, some, that some of the anger that I, I felt when I was in Japan, just slight irritation, not being overly wrong, just having cultural preferences that didn't line up with the customs that, that I was meant to learn from and to enjoy and embrace as a humble person who's wanting to serve people and tell them about Jesus' love. Um, perhaps some, there's something about some of the anger that I have, that I had, it, that it was toward God, toward sending me to people that would be irritating to me. And I think whenever we are honest, maybe there's something that's true about all of us as well. If we were to put a mirror up to ourselves and say, you know, maybe some of the anger that I feel, um, you know, it has different faces. It's not outright rage all the time. It could just be, uh, it could be seething, you know, silence. Uh, could be complaining, could be bitterness. But I wonder if there's something in there where all of us can go there. Every one of us. Um, as someone said, um, every, in, inside every heart is lurking an inner Jonah. Um, so perhaps some anger towards the Lord. I don't, I'm not trying to mess with your, so, sort of speak, fine china. You know, we all have those areas that we've been through very hard things. Um, so this is not uh, meant to sort of, uh, I want to validate your emotions. And, but at the same time, Scripture invites us to to really look at our hearts and do work on ourselves so that we can really prepare ourselves for the heart of God inside of us. And so, so God has a question to ask us as servants, like Jonah, do you have any right to be angry? So anger, is anger always a bad thing? Not at all. Sometimes someone's being hurt. It's right to be angry about that, isn't it? But is that usually the case for us? No, right? Uh, 
So this this past year, um, I heard a seminary uh, my my seminary president. Uh, he's a minister now, and he told a story about how he served at a church as a pastor. And there was a man in the church that uh, basically ran this pastor out of town, and and he said he did a lot of damage to my family and I. And he then said whenever he goes to visit the town, though, where that man lives, he would look him up, he'd call him, and he'd invite him to get together. And he, and he would say to him whenever they'd sit down together, I want you to know that whatever else we talk about today, that we are still brothers So when I when I heard that I I couldn't let it go, and uh, I had a Japanese friend that I had been struggling to forgive, and I thought about this and I thought you know, that it had not gone to that level in my relationship with him, but without denying the, what the issues were, I thought you know, how can I? say that I'm a minister of the gospel of grace, how can I hold out and extend grace to other people if I'm not extending grace to other people? And I found myself looking down on this person. I got to get together with them. And when I did, there was something about my inner Jonah that was able to slowly, at least just a little bit, for that moment, get rid of. And I'll tell you, it feels like freedom to do that. It'll feel like freedom for you in your life. To do the work, addressing that inner Jonah that you have inside of you. Why? Do you have the right to be angry? So, in our heads... We might know what God is like. Jonah did. Uh, you, look at, you look at this passage, and Jonah acknowledged God is gracious, compassionate, anger abounding in steadfast love. But in our hearts, uh, we can live weary people, drained, disconnected. And like Jonah, like this Jonah that we read about here, you may not even be sure that if you want to live very many more days. And there might be a lot of people that really get this story of Jonah. Uh, you might be living his story. Uh, and it seems that, um, that oftentimes we, you know, we, we hear stories all the time now about different uh, famous Christians. I know I've heard in the news this past month stories of Famous uh, believers who uh, basically abandon the faith. Uh, but it doesn't just happen to ministers, does it? Um, and we need to be reminded every day that apart from God's grace, our hearts can go where Jonah went. And we're, we are invited to not rage but rest. Not rage but rest in the Lord. Is it, is it right to... Be angry at God? I would say no, but if you are, 
it's a lot better to talk to him about it because if you do, he'll probably work on you, right? <laughs> right? Uh, there's no sense in denying it. Jonah, that's one thing you could commend him for. He didn't seem like he was denying his anger. Um, so, what we find in Jonah is that the one from whom we have the right to expect nothing has given us has given us everything. That was a definition of this word steadfast love that we see appear a couple times in Jonah. It appears once in chapter two. It appears again in chapter four, both times during Jonah's prayers. Um, so steadfast love appears two hundred and fifty times in the Hebrew Old Testament. It's scattered across um, six English translations of the Bible have it written 169 different ways, different translations. I want to I read these to you real quick if I can. Listen to these. It's going to take me a couple minutes. I time myself. Um, love. This is said. This is how you can translate steadfast love. This is how rich it is. Love, loving kindness, merciful love, loyal love, sure love, relentless love. Enduring love, extravagant love, affectionate satisfaction, love in action, dependable love, steady love, true love, fundamental love, miracle love, generous love, deep love, wonderful love, great love, incredible love, marvelous love, gracious love, loyal in love, steadfast love, expression of love, election love, unfailing love, faithful love, tons of of love, I like that. Loving instruction, loving deeds, covenant love, covenant of love, covenantal faithfulness, covenantal deeds of love, covenant friendship. Covenant commitment, gracious covenant, loyal, loyalty, covenant loyalty, loyal faithfulness, great loyalty. Unanswering loyalty, loyal mercy, loyal service, kindness, kindly, divine kindness, loyal kindness, godly kindness, merciful kindness, great kindness, everlasting kindness, mercy, mercy work, mercy feeling, miracle mercy, generous mercy, benevolence, compassion, persistent faithfulness, faithfulness, faithful act, reliable solidarity, goodwill, ardent zeal, grace. Graciousness, or excuse me, graciousness, extravagant generosity, largesse, glory, honor, honoring, pity, clemency, rock, bedrock, God-fearing, piety, charity, strength, devout, act of goodness, favor, immense favor, loyal friendship, good-heartedness, immense favor, working graciously, generous, yes, endlessly patient, generous act of goodness, devotion, Devoted work, commitment, goodness, good deeds, gracious dealings, beauty, disgrace, reproach, shameful thing, wicked thing, stick with me, sticking by, sticking with big heartedness, unlimited, unconditional, unconditioned, and all inclusive love for all creation. The Lord has love for you. Yes, for you personally. That kind of love. 
Mm. So, what is Jody invited to do? What should we do to move? How can we move from rage to rest in the Lord? First, uh, he's invited to get underneath his anger, so we got to get underneath it. What's, what's going on underneath it? And then we get it, we get it out. Um, how, do we, how do we get out our anger? Um, we get it out. Again, no surprise there. We're going to see based on what we've already said. Um, but verse 1, we see that in Jonah's angry prayer, dis- displeased Jonah exceedingly, he was angry. It says in verse 1, and in Hebrew it says that it is exceedingly evil to Jonah what the Lord did in sparing the lives of these pagan Ninevites. Um, The pagans turn to the Lord, but Jonah is turning away from him. Are we being too hard on him? Imagine it would be like Holocaust survivors and Jews going to a Nazi criminal or maybe Christians in modern-day Iraq going to ISIS terrorists who would become converts to the Christian faith while they still have blood on their hands, families of church members embracing them into our community. Um, And then we see in verse 2, he prays to the Lord this way, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love and relenting from disaster. So, he basically says, you know, it's just like you to do this. Well, I think it stinks. And some say that the God of the Old Testament is an angry God, but what's it say? He's slow to anger, doesn't it? Um, so it's, it's ironic that it's God's compassionate heart that's the cause of Jonah's anger. So when Jonah, you may remember this when we study chapter 2, when Jonah received God's steadfast love, how did he feel? He felt pretty great. Didn't say anything about the sailors, but he was filled with gratitude. Chapter 2, verse 8 says this, Those who pay regard, we see what he says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is not a story about a fish, is it? It's a story about a compassionate evangelist. But that compassionate evangelist, that great one, is not Jonah, is it? Um, so, when, when God extends the same undeserved kindness to the Ninevites, He is seething. So, Again, Jonah knew the scriptures. So what we see is he quotes Moses and he quotes the prophet Elijah. When he quoted Moses, chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, uh, it's, a, it's partially quoted there, but he leaves out the second half of the verse, which does talk about how God does show judgment. So he was fine with that part. So he didn't think he needed to mention that. Um, but it was God's generosity to the Ninevites that he just could not accept. And uh, then he had the nerve to quote Elijah. 
You know, Elijah asked for the Lord to take away his life, 1 Kings 19.4, but it was a confession of his humility. Jonah is full of contempt for God's plans and his ways. He's full of self-righteousness. Underneath most of our anger is a kind of self-righteousness. We just think that we're superior to other people. And the Lord says, if you think that you're superior to other people, you don't know my heart whatsoever. Um, So, Jonah goes on in verse 3, he says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So, back in chapter 2, you look at his prayer back there, when the Lord brought up his life from the pit, um, he was grateful again for being brought up from the pit, that his life was revived. And when he sees this same mercy embraced by the Ninevites, it's basically a request for assisted suicide. Uh, One of my favorite all-time quotes about human nature, I think I work it into almost every sermon I do, but it was from the book Moby Dick, so it seems appropriate to use it here. And he said this, Heaven, have mercy on us all, Presbyterians and pagans alike, for we are all somehow dreadfully cracked about the head and sadly in need of mending. If only Jonah would have gotten that. There is a Jonah that lurks inside every Christian heart. It's not just the Ninevites or the Japanese that need God's rescue. It's not just the people out there, but it's us that need every single day. We have to return to that. Jonah was a man who forgot who he was. And if we don't return to this grace every day, we will too. As Paul David Tripp says, there is no graduates when it comes to grace. You never graduate and move on, right? We stay... We are all students in it. We are our own unreached people groups. Uh, Jonah. is a man in need. Uh, There's a story about these parents who were teaching their kids, uh, teaching their son who made all things and the mom would point to the clouds and she'd say, who made the clouds? Say, God did. And then she would point to the ground and say, who made the ground? And so on. And the boy would answer every time, God did. And she came in the boy's room one day. She looked at all the toys scattered about the room. And she said, who made this mess? Guess what he said? God did. That's a story I like about blaming. Um, and we can trace all our accusations that we have. You know, anger is usually, you did this. If you wouldn't have done this, things would be okay. Uh, Tim Keller said, you know, the way most Americans work is we expect life to be comfortable. And then when it's not, we're looking for somebody to blame. Um... We can trace all accusations and defensiveness to the first man and woman in the garden. And some of that, our blame could be conscious. Some of it could be unconscious. Uh, 
And uh, he, he tells this, uh, this, uses this story of this interstate being built. So from Pittsburgh to Lake Erie, maybe you've ridden on this one particular interstate that there's this one stretch that remained unfinished for years because there was a swamp that needed to be crossed. And these pilings were put down, and then they tried to get to the bottom so the bridge wouldn't sink. And they kept thinking that they finally reached the bedrock, and then the piling would give out, and they had to keep drilling deeper. And uh, he says, you know, Jonah's heart was like that, that when he thought he had taken God and his grace to the very bottom, it turned out it needed to go deeper and Keller says this, what, what does it mean to get to the bedrock of your heart? So now we're talking about getting, remember, we're talking about getting underneath your anger. How do you do it? He says, like, how, what does it mean to get to the bedrock of your heart? If you say, I'll obey you, Lord, if you give me this or that, he's like, that's the non-negotiable in your heart. Um, and God is just a means to an end to you, for you. Uh, that whatever, whatever that is, that's the real bedrock for you. As long as there's something more important than God in your heart, you're going to be like Jonah, both fragile and self-righteous. Whatever it is, it'll create pride and an inclination to look down upon those who don't have it. And it'll also create fear and insecurity in you. Um, it's, a, it's a basis for your happiness. And if anything threatens it, you will be overwhelmed with anger, anxiety, and despair. And then he says this, to reach bedrock with God's grace is to recognize all the ways that we make good things into idols and efforts of saving ourselves. It's to instead finally recognize that we live wholly by God's grace. Then we begin serving the Lord, not in order to get things from him, but just for him, for his sake. And for the joy of knowing him, delighting him, becoming like him, then whatever, whenever we reach the bedrock of God's grace, it begins to drain us, surely, slowly but surely, of both self-righteousness and fear. This is a journey, isn't it? It takes a long time. We are all in this journey of grace together. But isn't this what life is all about? Everything happens to us in life to teach us about our need for God's grace and to extend it to others. Um, so, Jonah obeyed God, didn't he? He did. Didn't he do what God wanted him to do? He went and told the Ninevites. Very compassionate, loving uh, gospel presentation. Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then he went around looking for the, for the new button. Good thing he didn't have it. Um, but he did. He's like, what do, you, what do you want from me, God? I'm doing everything that I know to do that you're telling me to do. But it's not, it's not just obeying God, is it? You could obey him, and we do. We go there, apart from him every day. We obey him, but yet he says, what's going on in there? What's going on in your heart? Do you have a right to be angry? It doesn't matter how many times we can sing amazing grace or we can, well, I could use this word, I've already used it a thousand times. Grace. You know, it doesn't matter how many, what words that we know or how well we know the Bible. Jonah certainly knew it, didn't he? And if this was true for a prophet, how much more would it be true for us? 
doesn't mean that it's really sunk to the depth that God wants it to in our lives. But, you know, it's the good news. Love this. Someone said, the Lord has more ways of running after us than we have ways of running from Him. Isn't that great? That's the best news. Thank you, here. Uh, this heart is for the lost, the left behind, and the lonely. It's true. That's, that's who we are. And so, not only do we need to uh, get underneath our anger, figure out what's going on, why are we, why are we angry, but uh, we just need to, to see that grace empowers us to get out of our anger. So get it out, get it out. Um, how do we get it out? Um, well, the Lord uh, responded to Jonah's furious prayer. I mean, what do you think about the Lord's response? Was it mean? I thought it's, it's pretty amazing how kind, um, it's remarkable really, uh, how, how gentle the Lord is. Do you, do you do well to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry? Um, so the Lord is asking that question. That's how he is trying to get it out of Jonah. He's asking it to us today. Um, so we can come to him and we can confess our gracelessness. Um, and uh, we... So we see that whenever we rest in his hesed, his steadfast love, that's a lot more satisfying than getting revenge. Um, whenever we come to Jesus, we see the one who Michael Card calls, I love this, he calls him, he is hesed incarnate. He is steadfast love with shoes on, sandals on, okay? I think they were probably like Fitz's shoes he has on. I like those. Um, but uh, how do we live in light of it? Um, you know, maybe, maybe we don't acknowledge, you know, Christians don't like to acknowledge, like, I even have enemies. So, you, know, I, you know, Jesus says, love your enemies. We, well, I think I'm okay with everybody. Uh, but, um, but we need to, to, to hand them to the Lord and let him decide what to happen, uh, what might happen to them. And... Um, Remember that we, we are the ungrateful and wicked people, aren't we, that, that he came to love and save. He's enough. He's enough for us. And uh, may his heart be more in us. You know, I love that quote. It was in this movie called Wonder. came out recently about a boy in middle school, had facial disfiguration. Anybody see that movie? Uh, it's a it's a it's a wonderful movie about compassion. It'll it'll wash your heart out. But um, one of the messages of that movie are uh, show kindness to everyone you meet because everyone is facing a battle that you can't see, right? Um, everybody has a story, don't they? Uh, remember that. When you're tempted to rage, I get a lot of people mad at me on the roads because I'm still learning driving. I'm sorry, I'm not a, a native of here, and I apparently tick a lot of people off. Um, it's my driving, so maybe some of you. Um, so I noticed on, somebody had a bumper sticker yesterday. It said there there is no lake rage. You know, it's like a fisherman. And I was like, man, I need to be out there more. Um, so. 
Um, looking at Christ, though, Christ was always angry at other people. He was never angry whenever he was offended personally by people. It was always about injustices towards others, wasn't it? And I love this quote. B.B. Uh, Warfield put it this way, Jesus burned with anger against the wrongs he met in his journey through, through uh, being a human. Uh, light, uh, excuse me, he said, um, he melted with pity at the sight of the world's misery, and it was out of these two emotions that his actual mercy proceeded. So his, it was, it was, he was compassionate and, and angry, but at the right things, Right? Look at Christ. Um, stay with Him. Um, see Him in the Scriptures. He'll change your heart. Um, there's a story about uh, two 14-year-old boys, and they were involved in a drug deal. This is a true story. And one of the boys shot the other boy and took his life. And the father of the boy uh, who was shot and killed, he adopted his son's killer into his family. That is shocking, isn't it? Um, that's big said. That's big. Um, but what about us? We can practice and do this in real little ways. I, whenever I was reading that list of names, I, I thought about my wife who turned 40 yesterday. She gave me permission to tell you. And I was like, my wife gives me undeserved kindness. Who is it? Who do you see that gives you undeserved kindness in the Lord? And you know who else I thought of? I thought of some people in this church that I won't embarrass, but I, I, had, I had some people that were very kind to us when we were moving. Most, all of you were. Nobody was unkind to us, but uh, <laughs> we moved here. All of our furniture was in Japan and helping us. Drive our truck, drive your truck over to the Habitat Restore and get furniture. All our furniture, all our belongings are in Japan in storage. And we didn't have anything. People gave us utensils for our kitchen. Um, and people gave us couches and lamps and things. And our, our house is furnished now because of people's has said. I'll tell you, it's hard to receive it. Some of you struggle with receiving from other people. It was kind of, we were kind of embarrassed. We're like, what's wrong with us? Why can't we take people want to give? So this is not about, you know, um, yeah, this is not a thing where we say, yeah, we're helping people do what they should be doing for themselves. This isn't, you know, this is about doing for someone what they cannot do for themselves. That's what the Lord does for us. That's his grace, isn't it? Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you for reminding me of God's undeserved kindness. Um, so, will you be embraced today for the first time? By Will you be embraced by His grace for the very first time today? Or maybe been many times over, but you need it. I think we all do. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Father, that you'll comfort us with just your unfailing mercies, your fresh grace. I pray that you would just give us a renewed perspective on eternity so we would know, yeah, that just uh, nothing is wasted, Lord. Uh, the, the stuff that people are going through in this room, I know, is very, very, very difficult. Um, 
And we pray that you would give us the help that we need from others. Uh, We pray that you would just rekindle hope in us today. We pray that your kindness would drive us to appropriate acts of repentance where necessary, Lord, that we would be changed, we would be refreshed by the power of what you alone give us um, through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And we look to him as our only hope so that we would rest from our rage and in your has said, and it's in your name we pray.